Welcome to the C3 Church Watson podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. What a wonderful series we've been having. Who's been enjoying Top Tongue? Yeah, Top Tongue. We've been talking all about our language, what we do with our mouth, and how it makes a difference. Because the Bible says pretty clearly that it makes a difference. It matters what you say. It matters how you talk. It really does. It adds up to things. It creates things. The very first purpose of of language and speech was creation. Not to have an argument, not to do anything else, not to communicate even. God was not communicating with himself when he said, let there be light. He was creating things. And he made us in his image, the Bible says. That means we are creators with our words. And we've been learning all about that for the last few weeks, and it's been fantastic. We've been been talking about speaking to our circumstances, like Jesus standing up in the boat and telling the storm to be quiet. We've been encouraged to copy, to imitate his example and speak to our circumstances and tell them to come into line and tell them to quiet down and tell them to settle down. Um, We've been talking about talking to your barrier and commanding it to be thrown into the sea like a mountain. Um, And we've also been talking about keeping our conversation righteous, Um, watching, you know, being a a guard over what comes out of our mouth and making sure that it's happening deliberately. And it's been a fantastic series. I've been really loving it. I get to finish it off today, last week of Top Tongue. So, and it's a great logo too. Makes me... Glad I'm wearing this jacket. <laughs> I just need some aviator glasses. Anybody got some of those I could borrow? Um, today I want to focus on how we sound when we relate to brand new people, when we relate to uh, people we've just met at work or visitors to church or people who are, let's say, pre-Christians. You know, that a lot of people are at church a lot of the time and they're not a Christian they are looking, they are seeking, they, are, they have come to find out. God has been knocking on their heart. People have been talking to them all the way back here. Many steps have led to this moment where they're sitting in church, but they don't know God yet. And let's call them a pre-Christian. You know, how do, how do we relate? How do we sound when we're relating to them? Um, that's what I want to focus on today. And my message is called The Grace Zone. The Grace Zone. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12 starting at verse 7, says this. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that I've received, because aren't I awesome, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. Sorry, just go back one screen. A messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Go on. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Please, God, just take it away. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Uh, what the thorn is exactly that's being talked about there has been speculated about by theologians for millennia. So feel free to join in 
and add yours to the mix, but um, it doesn't matter so much what it is. All we know is it's not pleasant, um, and God chose to leave it there. So the main message is it's very important to God that we stay humble. Very important. Far more important than our comfort. Um, it's very important to God that we realize that we need him. We can't do it by ourselves. And we keep living in the grace zone. It's vital. Sometimes when we've been around a long time, we start to think we're all that. You know, I've been to Bible college. So, you know, I'm better than the newbies. You know, welcome aboard, but you're brand new. <laughs> I know so much more than you know. That makes me like 15 levels. I'm like an alpha level 15 and you're like just starting on a level one. You know, there's this weird kind of superiority thinking that starts to creep in. I know, not, not, not you, but you know, everybody else, everybody else. And we get a bit judgmental towards ordinary people who walk in off the street every Sunday. We get a bit thingy about it. It's a cycle. It happens. You fall into it by accident. You don't even realize it's happened. And the Holy Spirit points it out to you. Hey, you know what? Getting a little bit judgy there, mate. And you go, oh, yeah, far out I am too. How did this happen? Again. Okay, repent, get set back up on the right train tracks. Okay, I'm good now. I'm back in the grace zone. Good job. Good boy. That's how he does it to me anyway. <laughs> he says, good boy. Pats me on the head. Um, the, the, the Bible's also saying there, if it becomes necessary, God will allow difficult things in our lives. He'll let them happen rather than just relieving us of them. He'll, he'll allow that to happen as a constant reminder that we're ordinary people except for the grace of God. I came warts and all. I don't know about you. I know that I'm far from perfect and I, I, I'm guessing that you also are in the same situation. Um, we leaned on him so heavily when we first got our free pass. You know, the free pass. We came to a moment and we received Jesus into our hearts and into our lives. And we were overwhelmed by the gift. This is, you, you're kidding me? Is this just a gift? Yeah, you just, you just take it. Wow. We have to do to earn it. Nothing. Wow. We were overwhelmed, right? Overwhelmed because we knew we didn't deserve it. But we got it anyway, and we got welcomed into this kingdom and welcomed into this family. No strings attached, for free. But we've got to be careful we don't forget that and want to introduce rules about what type of person can enter now that we're already on the safe side and we're already in. We got in for free. We've got to allow other people to get in for free too. Because we all got our weaknesses. You might not talk about them. But we've all got them, right? We've all got our points of vulnerability. That may just slip up in the past, our ongoing battle. We've all got stuff. And it's a fantastic reminder. We still need God. 30 years later, we still need God. That's never going to change. And isn't that wonderful? If we stay in the grace zone, we can continue to receive and live in grace, Right? but we can also become a distributor of grace. So it can harm our ability to extend grace if we move into operating out of and trusting in our own skills, our own experience, our own knowledge, 
you know, aren't I great? Don't, don't worry, God, I've got this, actually. Like, you don't have to help me with this one. I'm good. And he goes, uh, <clears throat> you always need me, always, always need me. And then, once we realise that again, for the thousandth time, the, gross, the, the grace flows again into us and out of us. In life, the internal leads to the external. That's how it works. So our salvation moment and all the growth since and all the conviction since and all the repentance and the ongoing obedience since and all the relationship building with God since is transformation of us as people from the inside out. So whatever's changing for you inside, it shows. People see it. It shows. Our attitude is hard to conceal because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's inside is going to come out and people are going to be able to tell. So if we really are judgmental towards people who are not in the kingdom, when we're in the kingdom, safe and sound, all tucked nicely in our beds with our little teddy, we go, we're good, but you have to follow some rules before you can get in. If we do that, it's got a sound to it. If we, if we feel that in our heart, it's got a sound to it. And they can hear it. They know. You can't hide it. You might think your guy's saying the right phrases and it's all good. But they can still feel it because it's got a sound to it. I regularly, in my work, I regularly deal with teachers who come to me and talk negatively about a student because they won't. They won't do this and they won't do that. And I know the backstory because I've built relationship with the student and I know that it's more a case of can't than won't and it looks like defiance but it's actually distress it's actually help me I don't get it that's going on there plus you know that they've had a rough weekend and they come to school to be safe so they've finally arrived at their safe place and now you're harassing them but they still don't get the work so I I'm an advocate right my my job as a year coordinator is to advocate for all of the students in my year cohort. So I constantly find myself in situations where I'm saying to, where I'm encouraging a teacher to cut the students some slack, explaining a little bit more backstory so that they can go, oh, okay, well, maybe I should get alongside them and try and figure out, you know, what part of it they're not understanding. Yes, that would be great. Thank you. And then they come back to me later and say, that turned out really well. I'm not surprised. That's fantastic. Thank you. And, you know, the more of those positive things that can happen, the better for education across Australia. I once had a teacher talk to me about how a student was just being, you know, defiant and belligerent. Um, and I said, look, his dad died only months ago. Only months ago. Could you just, just back off just a bit? Like, just ease up. You know, let's go and have a chat to him together. Sit down, relax, take our time, have a chat everything changes. The whole dynamic between that teacher and that student changes because we're not being judgmental. We've changed how our approach. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12 says, we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's in from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. What we speak 
is what God has given us, otherwise known as grace. What we speak is grace. God gave us grace and we speak grace. Grace is crazy inclusive, like very inclusive, enough to make religious people squirm. It is so inclusive. We don't want to feel uncomfortable talking to someone who smells different to us, looks different to us. You know, we don't want to put ourselves in that situation. Someone who breaks our rules. Well, you're not allowed to do that, so since you're doing that. You know, you're not allowed to say that word, so since you said that. Jesus sat down and chatted with prostitutes. They, they would have looked like prostitutes, just like modern prostitutes look like prostitutes. They would have obviously been, you know, you wouldn't have had to be listening to the conversation from 400 metres away, you could have gone, look, that's Jesus. Who's he talking to? Oh, my gosh. Everybody would have been horrified. Horrified. His own followers, the so-called Christians, the, the, the serious, devout Christ followers, were challenged in their limited awareness of grace. Guys, you just don't get it. Because here's what grace does, right? It can slice like a razor down the middle and say, on this side, it's the lifestyle, the sin, the behaviour, the choices. And on this side is the precious person. I love and accept that, that person, no matter what's going on over here. That's what grace does. In, when you start to see people through the lens of grace, you start to see that instead of focusing on that all the time. Because God can take care of all of that. And he is like the prodigal son's dad, waiting with open arms, ready to lift up his robes and sprint the minute this precious person turns towards him and starts to walk. We've got to allow people a place to belong before we expect them to behave. We've got to. Our behaviour is not who we are. Our choices that we make doesn't define us. We can be transformed and start to make different choices. Our sin does not define us. Exactly. God has the power to change anything about anyone for the better, for good. Anything. No sin is too serious. Nobody's in God's unreachable pile. Nobody. <clears throat> Acts 7. Is this too serious? Is everyone okay? You good? Okay, cool. Uh, Acts 7 and verse 60. That's a long chapter, right? I was like, what? Verse 60? Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, this is an extremely way, polite way of saying it, he fell asleep. What that means is he died. Um, this is a crazy story. This is Stephen being stoned to death because he followed Christ. Stoned to death. Can you imagine people picking up rocks and throwing them at another human being until they die? Like broken bones, internal bleeding, concussion, all of it. Just hitting you all over until you die from it. And in the middle of it, Stephen is going, God, forgive them, crack. They don't know what they're doing. Boom. Now, I'm so glad that 
you know, God's not going to need me to use words of grace while I'm being murdered. That's so good. In our country, there's no martyrdom for being a Christian. It's a really easy gig compared to poor old Stephen. But can we bring ourselves to speak words of forgiveness to unbelievers, to new believers when they don't get things, when they don't get things right because they haven't been transformed, they haven't been being transformed for as long as we have. They're just a little bit behind. We're further down the track and that's the only thing we've got over them. God's been transforming us for a bit longer. But we're both imperfect and being transformed, so we're all in the same boat. Something I've learned from working with teenagers who do really offensive things sometimes is, you know what? They don't know what they're doing. Just like he said, forgive them, Lord, because they don't know what they're doing. And people, so many times they have scripts in their life and they are operating on autopilot. And yes, they might be verbally abusive to you and then come back the next day and want to pretend like it never happened or, or they've forgotten all about it. They really don't know what they're doing. So you can't take it personally and bear a grudge and all that sort of stuff because it just doesn't work with teenagers. You've got to be able to let things go, talk about things, resolve and then just move on and just go, okay, cool. Thank you for your apology. I accept it. Let's wipe the whiteboard clean. Start again. Good job. And just do that over and over and over again. They don't know what they're doing. Just nudge the person next to you and say they don't know what they're doing. Not just teenagers, by the way. Not just teenagers. Acts chapter 9. So Ananias departed and entered the house and after laying his hands on and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. God tells you to go and talk to someone and pray for them to be healed who has been persecuting the church murdering people disrupting things he's like pure evil this guy and god goes yeah can you just go have a chat with him because i want you to pray for him so he can get healed and anaya says ah no thank you god no i ain't going and god says ah you're going and he goes and then he gives this argument do you know what he's been doing god goes yeah yeah i know everything don't forget that you're going but here's the important thing He shifts his attitude so much along the way, Ananias. By the time he gets there, the way he greets him is brother. Brother Saul. Not, okay, you evil person, I guess I have to pray for you. No, acceptance into the family, brother. He experiences that acceptance and that sense of belonging before he has even proved that he is being transformed. Saul had an encounter with Jesus on the road, got smacked down, and he was just about to disappear for years to basically go off to Bible college. Like God was going to take him and school him. He was going to sort of disappear off the map for a while and then come back as the Apostle Paul, ready to spread the gospel all over the world. But he did need some training camp first. God knew that. The process was already prepared. I just need you, Ananias, to pray for him so that I can do my other work. He doesn't have to be perfect. I've got that. Just relax. Trust me. I'm God. We don't get to be omniscient, but God does. And he knows everything and he knows the plan. So we've got to step out, extend words of grace, 
when God tells us to, to anyone and everyone, and trust him about everything else. It's not easy to love people who hate you. I get that. It's not easy. I don't find it easy. Uh, I just have the unfortunate duty of preaching this message today. <laughs> it's not easy. And it's, and it's hard also to love the unlovely. You know, you go, dang, it's not my cup of tea. And God goes, I don't care. Go and give him a hug anyway. So you do. You know, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. But it is living in the grace zone. That's what it feels like. That's what it looks like. That's what it sounds like. At work, I have had people attack me behind my back and imply things to, to attempt to accuse me. It hurts. But when God tells me to go straight back and sort things out and continue to extend acceptance to them, I do. I obey God and trust him about the rest. I don't know what's going on for them, but you do. And I'll just leave that with you. And he goes, yep, safe hands. Leave it with me. 2 Corinthians 5. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The word. God's master plan for building his kingdom relies on us. Seems a bit wild to me. Why would you put it in our hands? But he's committed the message of reconciliation to us. So what do you think we sound like when we speak reconciliation? It's a big buzzword in our country, reconciliation, but what do you think it sounds like, truly? It sounds like no hard feelings. God absolutely accepts you. God is ready to welcome you. I know he's got some bad press, but he's actually not holding your sin against you. He's ready to forgive you and make you clean. That's what reconciliation sounds like when we're talking it. Awesome. Come up, guys. Acts 10. While Peter was still speaking these words, so he's preaching like I am now, while Peter's still preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you all just like passed out, I'd be like, okay, God, well, this was not exactly my plan, but if it's your plan, good. Um, all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. What? I thought this was a special thing just for us. The Christians were astonished. Another translation says astonished that the baptism in the Holy Spirit could happen to people from another culture and another religious background. What? They were being schooled again in the grace zone. Anyone, everyone. It's a free gift, no matter who you are. God is no respecter of the categories of people we create. And we think our categories are important. He goes, <clears throat> throws them out like tables out of the temple. Goes, no, 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 no. I ain't got no categories. Anyone, everyone. And I just want to finish with this Acts 15. Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. I'm not going to do that today. I'm just about finished. But, you know, even when you're not relating with people who don't know God yet, even when we're relating with each other, you know, your friends at church, your friends at group, we've all been Christians for many years. We're still different. 
Diversity is normal and good. But what do we sound like? What comes out of our mouth when we are encouraging other people, when we are strengthening other people? How about, I reckon you're doing a great job. I particularly love the way you did this and this. When you did that, that made a, a big difference. Thank you for that. Do you reckon that sounds encouraging? Do you reckon that would strengthen somebody? You don't have to talk about every aspect of their life. You can just fish around till you find something and zone in on it and go, I'm going to encourage you and strengthen you. That's, how, that's normal relating to other believers. That's top tongue. Tippy top tongue. Two tippy top tongues is trouble. If I get into too much of that alliteration, it'll be just too much. Uh, you may be here and you may be with us online and you, you don't know God. You haven't ever invited Jesus to come into your heart and come into your life like I was mentioning earlier in the sermon. But you want to. You think it's time. You feel God knocking on your heart. If you want to do that, it's really easy the way we do it. We all pray a prayer out loud together. You can just tag along and pray that prayer with us and make it yours, make it personal for you. And that way you will be inviting Christ into your life and into your heart. So come on, church, let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Forgive my sin. I invite you into my heart. I want to live with you in my life. I thank you that today I'm saved. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.